Richard Nixon. Well, I'm not a crook. Ronald Reagan. Tear down this wall. George W. Bush. I can hear you. The rest of the world hears you. And Donald Trump. And a friend of mine for a long time, he uh, only likes politics. If you ask him about how are the Yankees doing, he has no interest. If you ask him almost anything, he likes politics and he's a professional at the highest level Roger Stone. All of these presidents relied on one man to secure their seat in the Oval Office. That man is Roger Stone. This is The Roger Stone Show on 77 WABC. This is a Roger Stone, and this is The Roger Stone Show here at WABC Radio. 77 WABC Radio. We're making AM radio great again. Uh, The Roger Stone Show can be heard here every Sunday from 3 to 5 p.m. And you can always listen to us at wabcradio.com because, well, we're streaming worldwide. Here on The Roger Stone Show, every Sunday we talk news, politics, history, style, fashion, food, you name it, uh, we cover it here. Uh, and uh, I, I try to bring you the very best guests. President Donald Trump was our guest in our very first broadcast. General Michael Flynn uh, has joined us. Uh, today we have an all-star lineup, which I'll tell you about in a moment. But I want to urge you to get the WABC radio app Uh, and load it up on your cell phone. You can go to the App Store, load it on your cell phone, so you don't miss any of our all-star lineup here at WABC. I'm talking about uh, the great Sid Rosenberg, who brings it weekday mornings. I'm talking about veteran radio journalist Rita Cosby. Uh, I'm talking about uh, America's mayor, Rudy Giuliani, who is being targeted, even as we speak, uh, in one of the most outrageous, unfair, manipulated uh, takedowns of a political figure in the history of the United States. Uh, Rudy Giuliani, a man who's done nothing other than zealously defend the legal rights of his client uh, and who is now a major target uh, of the the deep state cabal. Yet uh, his spirit remains undampened. He is a warrior. You can hear him every weekday here on WABC. We're, we're talking about uh, Frank Marano. Uh, if you like the offbeat, uh, his great show, The Other Side of Midnight, uh, in the wee hours of the morning, uh, is a must-hear. Curtis Sliwa, uh, a veteran uh, of the political wars in New York City, uh, really now leading the peaceful protests against the migrant immigration uh, invasion of New York City, uh, now beating Donald Trump in the arrest record uh, 80 to 4. You don't want to miss Curtis Sliwa right here on WABC. Uh, Of course, uh, Cindy Adams, my friend of 40-plus years, uh, the absolute queen of gossip. You you don't want to miss Larry Kudlow, uh, who was the quarterback of Donald Trump's successful strategy to turbocharge the uh, American uh, economy. 
uh, all of these, uh, not to mention my good friend Dominic Carter. Uh, and then, of course, capping it all off is the uh, is the Cats and Cosby show heard every day uh, during the week at 5 o'clock, 8 a.m. on Sunday mornings where John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby break down the most important news of that day. And then on Sunday mornings, they set the table for you in terms of what you should be looking for and at. Also a very special happy birthday to John Katzmatidis, uh, the owner operator here at WABC, who's, uh, I saw him on Fox two nights ago talking about the economy. Uh, he is uh, one of the most knowledgeable voices here at, at WABC. America uh, is the victim of a full-blown illegal migrant crisis. It, it is extraordinary that the Secretary of uh, Home Security, Homeland Security, actually says with a straight face uh, that our southern border is secure. Uh, as I uh, will discuss later with uh, Carrie Lake, uh, the rising star of the Arizona and National Republican Party, the Biden administration actually has 118 doors uh, on the Arizona-Mexican border welded open, they say, so a particular species uh, of antelope can come and go freely. It's almost beyond belief because uh, the influx uh, of illegals into this country has now hit 8 million illegals uh, and rising. Yet the White House press secretary has the nerve, the audacity to tell us that Joe Biden has done more for border security than any president in American history. Who is she kidding? I mean, with these 8 million uh, illegals in this country, we have a crime wave, not just in our cities, but also in our suburbs, and now even in urban and rural communities. It's really unlike anything that I have seen. Uh, let me be clear, these are not uh, mistaken or misguided policies, in my opinion. This is not an error. This is the actual agenda of the woke, liberal, progressive, globalist maniacs who really wish to destroy uh, America. Uh, it is, uh, it is uh, I think, potentially a true toxic mix for the Democrats. In other words, I do not think that the elites in the Democratic Party recognize that the combination of this illegal migrant invasion uh, and the crime and drug epidemics that it brings with it, uh, coupled with the highest gasoline prices in recent history, uh, a 76% increase in the cost of basic foodstuffs, uh, epic uh, inflation, which is crippling uh, the blue-collar, hard-working uh, American family, uh, taxes uh, that are skyrocketing uh, out of control, spending uh, at a rate we have never seen before by either Repub under Republicans or Democrats, uh, bring the nation 
uh, to the cusp of peril. A and then when you add to it the fact that we've shipped $131 billion to Ukraine with no accountability whatsoever, uh, the Democrats, uh, I think, are so blinded by their hatred for Donald Trump, so blinded by Trump derangement syndrome, uh, that they, they don't see the toxic cocktail for themselves that they have mixed and which is going to impact the very next election. Turns out New York City is the flashpoint uh, and now Mayor Eric Adams, who ran on a platform of New York City as a sanctuary city, uh, we've got a clip here. We're going to play that of the candidate for mayor, Eric Adams. During your campaign to uh, keep New York City a sanctuary a city, are, do you have any concern that that, that policy uh, is, 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 for, is attracting more people to the border, more people to cross the border to make that dangerous no. trip? Uh, no, not at all. Uh, the city has always been a sanctuary city, and we've always managed those who wanted to come to uh, New York City to pursue the American dream. Now, however, uh, suddenly Eric Adams has decided that this armada of illegals surging into New York uh, says it will destroy the city. Here's Eric Adams uh, now talking about the new migrant crisis. Tell you something, New Yorkers. Never in my life have I had a problem that I did not see an ending to. I don't see an ending to this. I don't see an ending to this. This issue will destroy New York City. Destroy New York City. We're getting 10,000 migrants a month. One time we were just in Venezuela. Now we're in Ecuador. Now we're in Russia speaking, coming through Mexico. Now we're in uh, Western Africa. Now we're getting people from all over the globe have made their minds up that they're going to come through the southern part of the border and come into New York City. And everyone is saying it's New York City's problem. Every community in this city is going to be impacted. We have a 12 billion dollar deficit that we're going to have to cut. Every service in this city is going to be impacted. All of us. And so I say to you, as I turn it over to you, this is some, some of the most educated, some of the most knowledgeable, probably more of my commissioners and deputy commissioners and chiefs live in this community. So as you ask me a question about migrants, tell me what role you played. How many of you organized to stop what they're doing to us? How many of you were part of the movement to say, we're seeing what this mayor is trying to do, and they're destroying New York City. It's going to come to your neighborhoods. All of us are going to be impacted by this. I said it last year when we had 15,000. I'm telling you now, with 110,000, the city we knew, we're about to lose. And we're all in this together, all of us. Staten Island said, send them out to Manhattan. Manhattan is saying, send them out to Queens. Queens is saying, send them out to Brooklyn. No, 
Is that the game we can play? Open the floor. What Mayor Adams seems to forget is it is the policies of his president, his party, his governor that brought us to this point. I, I heard uh, reported on uh, a show here on WABC just the other day where Mayor Adams actually, I believe it was with Rita Cosby, said that this was the fault of Trump Republicans. No, to be very clear, uh, the the illegal immigrant migration into this country on our entire southern border uh, had uh, dropped to the lowest levels uh, in decades under the sound policies uh, of Donald Trump. Meanwhile, uh, six men were arrested in Brooklyn uh, this past week for getting rowdy in the increasing number of protests where American citizens, New York City citizens in every borough, uh, see what is happening before their very eyes. Uh, at the same time, uh, I have been watching very carefully the uh, citizen uprising, the peaceful citizen uprising uh, in Staten Island, heretofore one of the most stable and crime-free boroughs. We have seen a skyrocketing of crime on Staten Island. Uh, there is really a growing community uprising against the illegal immigrants all across New York City. Uh, Mayor Gandhi is still trying to shove these uh, migrants down the throats of the people of New York City, but the people are just not having it. Uh, in Staten Island, uh, 180 immigrants were brought there two weeks ago. Uh, they were put uh, next to a, uh, a, a Catholic uh, girls' school uh, in a facility that has uh, not enough bathroom or shower facilities. So they had to put out porta potties and, uh, and temporary showering facilities outside. This is next to a girls' school. Uh, and very close to a very stable residential neighborhood. Uh, initially, they sent in 180 illegal immigrants. Uh, then uh, the local citizens, uh, under the leadership of borough president Vito Fasella, won an injunction. Uh, they vacated. Then Mayor Adams repealed uh, in the courts and got that order stayed. 29 of the immigrants came back to Staten Island. Now it is up to 60s. Uh, immigrants are voluntarily checking in and out, some of them going uh, back to luxury hotels uh, in Manhattan, as well as uh, residences, uh, hotel residences in Queens, Brooklyn, and the Bronx. It is unthinkable to me that the Roosevelt Hotel, which is on the list of national preservation landmarks in the United States. Once the political headquarters uh, of Mayor John V. Lindsay, of Governor Nelson Rockefeller, uh, of New York Governor Thomas E. Dewey, uh, one of the most beautiful and elegant old world hotels in the United States uh, is now essentially a crime scene. Uh, there are regular fights 
uh, in the in the lobby. Uh, we have illegal immigrants who are defecating in the hallways. Uh, this is cannot be sustained. But now, uh, in a real move, which I think signifies the uh, plan of the uh, of the Adams administration to push back, they're actually using drones and technology to try to begin to determine the identities of peaceful New York City citizens uh, who are protesting this invasion uh, in their neighborhoods. In Staten Island, uh, once a crowd of peaceful protesters, most of whom themselves are the sons and daughters or grandsons and granddaughters of immigrants, uh, got a sizable crowd, First a police drone appeared, then a second drone appeared. The drones have red lights on them uh, when they're hovering. The lights turn green when they are recording. What could they possibly be recording? I happen to know they're also using a very high geofencing technology to collect the cell phone numbers of all of those who come to these uh, perfectly legal uh, and peaceful protests. There's a hundred cops on the ground. They mostly stand by and do nothing. So why is Mayor Adams surveilling peaceful protesters? The drones in question on Staten Island, I'm told were green half of the time. They're, they're using facial recognition technology. Uh, why are they using law enforcement drones to surveil peaceful American citizens? Perhaps the money would be better spent keeping an eye on this illegal immigrant invasion. Mer Eric Adams is right. It is going to destroy New York City, but he doesn't seem to recognize that it is the product of his president's open border policies. Uh, as well as the policies of uh, Governor Kathy Hochul. Uh, the reason that Mayor Adams' plea for help is being ignored uh, is really quite simple. Joe Biden and his handlers realize that in the deep blue state of New York, regardless of what happens, uh, they're going to carry New York in the next election. And therefore, shipping the migrants into the suburbs, the more Republican suburbs of New York State, or shipping them upstate could inadvertently, because of the revolt of the New York citizens, put New York State in play in a presidential election, which has not happened in many, many cycles. In fact, no Republican has carried New York State since 1980 when Ronald Reagan won the state with roughly 40% of the vote, but that was only because John Anderson, a former liberal Republican congressman who ran briefly as a Republican candidate for president, uh, elected to take the old Liberal Party nomination, thus splitting the Democratic vote uh, in New York State and allowing Reagan to carry the state. Uh, that is uh, not going to happen again. Uh, and that is why Joe Biden is offering Eric Adams nothing 
other than a liaison, someone to keep the Biden administration apprised of what is actually happening and the disaster unfolding on the ground. Uh, if you're just tuning in, folks, this is the Roger Stone Show. Uh, we are here from 3 to 5 every Sunday afternoon talking uh, politics, uh, talking uh, history, talking culture, talking fashion, style, food, you name it. Uh, we cover it here on the Roger Stone Show. Uh, and we are honored to have you tune in every uh, Sunday from 3 to 5. Now, again, you can listen at 770 on the AM dial if you're in the New York, New Jersey, Connecticut area, uh, where I grew up, by the way, and also the location of, let's face it, the greatest pizza in the world. Or if you're from out of town, you can always listen to us at wabcradio.com. It is, uh, it is really interesting the influx of email and text messages I've gotten since I began this show because, in all honesty, the only place that I am allowed to promote it uh, is on X, formerly known uh, as Twitter. So to this day, uh, I, I can't put the Roger Stone show up on YouTube. Uh, I can't put it up on Facebook. I can't put the links up on Instagram or even put up reels of the show. That's because I am banned from all of those platforms. I know it doesn't make much sense. Uh, I'm actually surprised that my Twitter, now X, feed was restored. In 2017, I was one of the earliest people in the country to be banned on uh, Twitter. Uh, they never gave me any real reason. I think it was because I was an ally of President Donald Trump, uh, because uh, I had no problem uh, clashing uh, with Democrats in the back and forth uh, and with leftists on the back and forth of Twitter. I thought my Twitter posts were lively. Uh, I thought they were witty. Uh, I thought I gave as good as I got. But evidently, when I got to the point where I had 900,000 followers uh, and the entire Russia collusion campaign was kicked off in an effort to try to remove Donald Trump from the White House, well, my voice became too dangerous to those behind that particular cabal. So I would ask you now to go to Twitter. You can follow me, uh, pardon me, Twitter now known as X, uh, I would ask you to follow me at Roger J. Stone Jr., Roger J. Stone Jr. I am just shy of a half million followers. Uh, I should say uh, that I was surprised to be reinstated at all uh, when Elon Musk, who I must admit I like very much, uh, even though I've never met the man and never spoken to him, uh, when I read that he was buying the platform, uh, I simply went online and put in an application to be reinstated, uh, believing that uh, that would never happen. To my surprise, uh, I learned that I got my old profile back, but now instead of the 900,000 followers I had previously, I only had 25,000 followers. 
So I had to start from scratch. Uh, I've been uh, in my use of uh, X, uh, and uh, I'm now happy to say, as I just said, uh, that I'm approaching 500,000 people. Uh, one of the things you should know is I very aggressively tell people what's coming up on WABC Radio, not only in my own show, uh, but in some of the other great programming here. So one sure way you can keep track of what's going on at WABC uh, is to uh, sign up to my Twitter feed, uh, and uh, I will very much appreciate it. You know, polling is uh, become like a fascination for the uh, American people. People are poll crazy. It's important to note that not all political polls uh, are the same, uh, that there are really two types of polling, one that is designed by the pollster or whoever the pollster uh, is commissioned by to create a poll to show a desired result. The other is a poll that is designed uh, so in a dispassionate and totally neutral way, you can actually assess uh, what's going on in terms of public opinion. You can find out what issues anger or motivate uh, the voters. You can find out what issues they really don't care about or are not on their radar. We tend to be obsessed uh, with the horse race uh, in all of these polls, when in truth, the horse race is important, but it is not always the most important number in the poll. Well, this past week, CNN unleashed a new poll, which has the entire political world in an uproar. CNN's poll shows that the beleaguered but resilient Donald Trump leads Joe Biden nationally 47 to 46. But more importantly is the fact that this very same CNN poll shows that two-thirds of Democrats do not want Joe Biden to run again. The poll also shows that when the voters are asked, if not Biden who, uh, there is uh, very little support for any other putative candidate. So uh, the, the Democrats who don't want Biden, which is two out of three, have not moved to uh, the candidacy of Robert F. Kennedy Jr., uh, do not think that Kamala Harris should uh, rise uh, to the top position, uh, should not... Uh, 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 be the Democratic nominee. This is creating a void. In my opinion, this poll uh, is the banana peel being put uh, under the feet of Joe Biden by the de facto president of the United States. Uh, that would be Barack Obama. Uh, this same CNN poll shows that 61% uh, of the those polled say that Biden is corrupt, while 69% of those say that his business dealings with Hunter and other members of his family uh, are uh, not just corrupt, but are uh, illegal. So despite the very best efforts 
of the jackals in the mainstream media to mute or bury uh, the stories uh, regarding Hunter Biden. The news is breaking through. The news is coming to the forefront. Uh, and now I think it is skillfully being used uh, by uh, the sachems in the Democratic Party, uh, led by their de facto leader, Barack Obama, to prepare the ground for the removal uh, of Joe Biden. Add that to this week's video of Joe Biden wandering around aimlessly, uh, actually departing a military medals award ceremony uh, before the ceremony was even over uh, with a blank look on his face, just a blank stare. Uh, and I think you see the fundamental problem for the Democrats. Does anyone think that Joe Biden could go toe to toe with Donald Trump in a debate? Trump, for his part, uh, showed up the other day and I noticed he's lost about 30 pounds. He is in a fighting trim. Uh, I've spoken to him and I can tell you that uh, Given that he is a man facing a hundred years in prison, uh, in these completely and totally fabricated crimes, uh, is uh, not seeming to wear on him uh, as it would on a normal, average uh, human being. He seems upbeat. He seems resilient. He seems uh, determined. Uh, he seems uh, relaxed. Uh, it's really extraordinary. Uh, I guess it is just a question of the fact that he relishes combat, that he that he uh, is a happy warrior, uh, and he is, uh, I think, best at, at crisis. Uh, I, I think the Democratic Party, as I have said many times, intends to replace Joe Biden. They know that Kamala Harris is not a viable option. Uh, but at the same time, uh, they understand that Joe is not going to give up his power to pardon himself, uh, his brother, his son, and other members of the Biden crime family. So remember, if he announces uh, in late November that he is not going to run again, that doesn't mean that he leaves a public office he would maintain the pardon power right up until January of next year. So I still believe that the candidate waiting in the wings is not Gavin Newsom, but Michelle Obama. Uh, Michelle Obama continues to be one of the most admired women in the United States. She is an attorney uh, who worked for the city of Chicago. Uh, she is now has published her second biography, following in her steps of her husband, who published uh, two biographies prior to his candidacy for president. She was the keynote speaker at the last Democratic National Convention, just as her husband was the keynote speaker at the 2012 Democratic Convention when they nominated John Kerry. Uh, Barack Obama and his wife are not out in the country doing these voter registration drives and book signing 
tours for their health or because uh, they need uh, the money. Uh, they're doing it because she is the answer to the Democratic Party's problems. Look at it this way. They have changed the Democratic Party nominating process to essentially strip Iowa and New Hampshire, which are normally the first contests in the country, of their delegates. So although Robert F. Kennedy Jr., who I, I like very much and agree with many of his positions, disagree with a few, uh, is going to be running in those states, uh, even if he scores a high vote total, it would be a Pyrrhic victory because under the Democratic Party rules, Joe Biden's name or whoever the Democratic Party stand-in for Joe Biden ends up being, uh, will not have their name on the ballot. You can't win if there is nobody to run against. And very cleverly, the Democrats have made South Carolina a state with an absolute majority uh, of African-American voters in their Democratic primary, their first-in-the-nation contest. It's not coincidental that the convention uh, will be in Chicago, hometown of who? Wow, the Obamas. How incredibly coincidental. Uh, I stand by my prediction uh, that uh, by late November, Joe Biden, uh, over the objections, I think, of Jill, but mindful of the growing storm clouds uh, in the investigation of Hunter, where the Biden administration has worked hand in glove with Hunter Biden's lawyers to suppress as much information about the epic corruption of Hunter Biden as possible, uh, thanks to the extraordinarily extraordinary reporting of the New York Post, Breitbart News, and a handful of other outlets, uh, the American people have figured out that Joe Biden may be the most corrupt president uh, in American history. And therefore, I think he gets the hook in November. Uh, and as far as Gavin Newsom is concerned, they're going to let him be vice president. Uh, I don't think the dynamics in today's Democratic Party uh, allow the Democrats to pass over the sitting vice president, a woman of color, but a woman of color that no Democrat thinks could win a general election against Donald Trump. And therefore, they can only replace a woman of color with a, another woman of color, uh, and that is uh, Michelle Obama. There's a terrific uh, documentary called Michelle Obama 2024, also a companion book uh, by my good friend Joel Gilbert, who we've had here on the Roger Stone Show. Uh, if you doubt my thesis, try checking out that book. I think he lays it out uh, pretty, uh, pretty convincingly. Uh, the other thing that's uh, really disturbing me uh, this week uh, is the is the warfare, the, pardon me, the lawfare being waged against Mayor Rudy Giuliani. Rudy Giuliani is one of the greatest men in American history. Not only was he a crime-busting prosecutor, 
but he took on New York City at a time when the the liberals in the media and the power establishment of New York City who suffered through the ineffective mayoralty of David Dinkins told you that New York City was done. It was destined to be a dirty, dangerous, poor place where there was no public safety uh, and no economic opportunity. Through extraordinary leadership, Mayor Rudy Giuliani brought New York City back, made it into one of the cleanest, safest, uh, and most prosperous places in the United States. All right then, so the Roger Stone Show, we're ready to go. As the great Jackie Gleason used to say, away we go. Richard Nixon. Well, I'm not a crook. Ronald Reagan. Tear down this wall. George W. Bush. I can hear you. The rest of the world hears you. And Donald Trump. And a friend of mine for a long time, he uh, only likes politics. If you ask him about how are the Yankees doing, he has no interest. If you ask him almost anything, he likes politics and he's a professional at the highest level. Roger Stone. All of these presidents relied on one man to secure their seat in the Oval Office. That man is Roger Stone. This is The Roger Stone Show on 77 WABC. This is Roger Stone on WABC Radio, and this is The Roger Stone Show. WABC Radio, making AM radio great again. Joining me today is Jack Posobiec, one of the most influential voices online, currently advocating for America First principles, using his massive social media following, including over 2 million followers on X, formerly known as Twitter. He literally reaches billions of people with his pro-America. He also serves as the senior editor of Human Events, which has been in the vanguard of conservative thought for decades. When I worked for Governor, then President Ronald Reagan, he always said it was his favorite publication. A Turning Point USA contributor uh, and U.S. Naval Intelligence veteran, Jack Posobiec has been a bedrock figure in the new conservative movement to take over and keep control of the Republican Party ditching the neocon status of Karl Rove and Paul Ryan and fighting for the America First message of President Donald J. Trump. Jack Posobiec, welcome to The Roger Stone Show. Roger, I'm honored to be here. So uh, you are a shrewd observer of American politics, uh, perhaps among the shrewdest. Uh, where do you see the 2024 presidential contest today and then let me ask you to break it down. First, kind of give me your assessment of the Republican contest. Then give me your assessment of the Democratic contest. And then let's talk about the general election. Well, Roger, I thank you for again for having me on. I view the Republican primary at this point, by and large, an academic uh, situation, an academic debate, if you will, um, we are going through the motions, and yet poll after poll after poll shows that the former president, Donald John Trump, is in a commanding lead and, quite frankly, at this point, seems to be an insurmountable lead 
in the Republican primary. I believe this is due to the actions of not only people taking a look at his record, but also the collapse of campaigns that we've seen launched against him, including a well-funded campaign by Governor DeSantis of Florida, now in his second term, as well as the actions of the deep state, the administrative state, the police state, whether in Georgia, whether in Manhattan, or whether in Washington, D.C., from Jack Smith, these indictments of Trump, including this mugshot out of Fulton County, have created a massive backlash against them from the American people. We're seeing this now reflected in a dominant lead by Trump in these early primaries. Now, Ken, we're still several months out from the Iowa caucus, but actually not that far out when you really think about it. Through September, the Iowa caucus will be in January. Um, these polls are indicative of why Trump has decided to not participate to this point heretofore in any of the debate contests for the Republican primary, uh, because as any political strategist or operative would tell you, that when you are in a situation like that, there's, there's simply no upside to debate. Uh, we're also hearing now from Republican strategists who are anti-Trump, and sort of the anti-Trump establishment called Rove Wing, of which you recently spoke, uh, they're, they're scrambling around desperately to try to find some path forward. And uh, we're hearing talk of consolidating the field. We're hearing talk of there must be some way to uh, remove these other candidates. And their new, their new shining star, their new Hail Mary, as it were, is actually to move funding and uh, their attention away from Governor DeSantis. And originally, they were looking at Governor Glenn Youngkin of Virginia, who has shown himself to be uh, certainly astute when it comes to the politicking, understanding how to put coalitions together, though I, I do consider him more of an establishment Republican. And now they're looking at Nikki Haley. And so they are telling donors and the donor community, these sort of establishment mega donors are basically bandying about the exact same talking points that we were told from the DeSantis camp, that Nikki Haley is more electable. Nikki Haley had a shining moment at the debate. Nikki Haley can win America. And and all, all of a sudden, along the heels of that, we have a new poll commissioned by CNN. So uh, uh, very accurate uh, barometer on Republicans, the CNN SSRS poll, telling us that Nikki Haley would win in the landslide against Joe Biden, a, a six-point national victory, uh, which is just such an outlier and so completely ridiculous, you really have to question why it was that that poll suddenly came out right as she's getting that look. But, Roger, by and large, I do view the Republican primary as, as put to bed at this point. Um, simply put, President Trump has performed like an incumbent president would in this primary. Now, uh, people say that obviously he's not an incumbent, but because of the rise of social media, because of the 24-hour news cycle, uh, really is a 24-second news cycle almost now if you look at the online sphere, it, he's performing like an incumbent because he was robbed of that second term, which we would now be in uh, essentially the last the last stages of had he stayed in office and had uh, had the election been calculated properly in 2020. And so this is why I believe the Trump base has been 
sticking to him and has now consolidated around Trump in the primary. Yeah, I think uh, I agree with everything you say. I mean, first of all, the Fox presidential debate was the first time in American history that a presidential candidate won a debate by not participating in it. Uh, it was, uh, I think, Hank Sheinkoff, the Democratic consultant who I have a lot of respect for, uh, was on with Dominic Carter here on WABC last week, said it was genius. I agree with that because Trump dominates the news cycle, whether he's a participant in the news cycle or whether he isn't. He's like the elephant uh, in the room. The campaign of Governor Ron DeSantis, which was once thought to be a juggernaut, turned out to be a dumpster fire. I mean, embarrassing leaked strategy memos online, extravagant but non-productive spending, uh, f sliding in the polls, once looked like the, the leading contender, now in some places slipping behind Nikki Haley, other places slipping high, behind Vivek Ramaswamy. Uh, I think that he's going to have serious money problems starting in October 1st uh, and uh, mainly because he's relied on a small group of large donors uh, and bundlers who can really only give until they are legally maxed out, whereas President Trump relies on tens of thousands of small and medium-sized donors who can give again and again and again to sustain him. And with each indictment, you see a massive wave of resources into his coffers. $28 million raised just since the time he was charged uh, in Georgia. It is completely and totally counterintuitive. Uh, I felt when I went to the president's uh, announcement uh, to, that he was going to run, I was always committed to support him again. He saved my life. Uh, his politics are my politics. Uh, but many people were saying he was spent, that his only, his only motive was revenge. The, the lawfare attack on him has completely changed that. It has turbocharged his campaign beyond anything I've ever seen in 45 years of looking uh, at polling. Uh, and the idea that you could prop up Nikki Haley, who is really just George W. Bush in high heels, uh, a warmonger, uh, I, I don't see that as a viable move for the establishment. There is no question they're moving off of DeSantis. They are disappointed with his lack of campaign skills. They're disappointed with his, with his inability to connect with people. They have spent millions and millions and millions of dollars. Uh, and as I've said before, I'm reminded of the story of the guy who owned a dog food company. Uh, and he went broke because he couldn't get anybody to order the dog food for sale in their stores. And when he went bankrupt, one of his friends asked him what went wrong. And he said, well, the dogs just didn't like that stuff. That really is the story of Ron DeSantis. Let's, uh, let's touch, Jack, on the Democratic contest because the CNN poll that you made reference to, I think, is very, very significant. Uh, not only does it show Donald Trump leading Joe Biden 47-46 in a straight-up match. But more importantly, two-thirds of Democrats do not want Joe Biden to run again. Two-thirds of Democrats essentially list his poor health and his age for the reason they don't want him to run again. 
But when you ask them, okay, if you don't want Biden, who do you want? They can't answer that question. Robert Kennedy was actually at 1%, which considering how I think successful his campaign has been at utilizing alternative media uh, is a little surprising. Uh, so Jack Posobiec, will Joe Biden be the nominee of the Democratic Party and for the 2024 cycle? Roger, I think that the party, so when you look at the Democrat Party, we have to look at the different power centers and power nodes within that party. Um, there's certainly something going on behind the scenes within the Democrat establishment, the Democrat hierarchy, as it were right now. And one of the, uh, one of the big questions is, is Biden's seat secure at the top? And I think the answer is no. And I think that even with CNN slipping on Biden, as we saw this week, we've now seen uh, one of the primary arms, the primary opinion-generating platforms on the left, and the mainstream left in this country, which is CNN, turning on the sitting president. Uh, this, is, this would be akin to uh, Fox News or, or uh, all the major conservative outlets turning on Trump while he sat as president. It happened. <laughs> they waited until election night in 2020, as we all know. Um, with with CNN doing this, the question then becomes: What happens? Is this seat open? I believe that the Democrat establishment wants uh, Biden to be in power, and they want him to be that candidate because he is the candidate for which there is so much equity, actual equity, brand equity, not the, uh, the woke stuff, uh, built into him because of his years as sort of Barack Obama's sidekick, the, the bosom buddy of Barack Obama. Uh, he is, by and large, still remembered by Democrat voters as that man. And, and for low-information voters who, haven't, who don't pay attention to the news on a regular basis, uh, they generally have a favorable look on him. On, again, I'm speaking of the Democrats. However, what we've also noticed over the course of the past month is a coordinated, high-level uh, opposition file being dropped on Barack Obama. Letters from Barack Obama's past are now being published. People from Barack Obama's past, Larry Sinclair going on Tucker Carlson. Uh, letters being published from ex-girlfriends and uh, coming out in uh, liberal books by liberal authors. It feels like, Roger, that there is a message being sent from somewhere inside the Democrat establishment uh, as a warning to the Obamas. And I think that most likely this is a warning meant not for Barack, obviously, but actually as a way of trying to prevent Michelle Obama from entering the race or even acting like she might enter the race. Uh, we've also seen an uptick in the visibility of Kamala Harris. So Kamala Harris has been giving more interviews. She and her team, where there's no love lost between her and Biden, as I've recounted on my human events show uh, all the way since the beginning, we, we've called it the shade war between the Kamala Harris camp, uh, Team K and Team B within the White House. And then, of course, there's also Gavin Newsom, who's, of course, chomping at the bit uh, like the erstwhile um, bench rider on a Little League team saying, put me in, coach. I'm ready to play. I'm here. 
Uh, I'll go wherever you want me. And so he's certainly very, very much interested in taking over. And so I, I do think, Roger, that that being said, RFK Jr. Uh, presents a real problem for them in the same way that Bernie Sanders presented a problem for the establishment mainstream Democrats, because his policy positions on many issues actually align with the America first positions of Donald Trump. However, he comes to it with the imprimatur of the Kennedy name, uh, a name that is extremely popular within the United States. It is well known among the Democrat base. And when he speaks about issues regarding national security, war, the intelligence community, the rise of big pharma, industry, etc. These are all lines in which he's in agreement with Donald Trump, not certainly on social issues. Uh, there's disagreement, guns and, and abortion, etc. So this creates potentially a pipeline for those voters who might be in support of RFK, who we know is more than likely going to be knocked out of the primary, not by direct voting, but because the Democrat primary is run by a super delegate system of Democrat power brokers. They decide, <laughs> this in place after Jimmy Carter, they decide who the nominee will be. And so this creates a huge, um, a huge destabilization effect for the Democrat base, whereby, wherein if an America first candidate wins on the Republican side, and I, I assess that, that Trump will, will easily win the nomination, uh, this create this is how you get those swings in the Rust Belt um, that I don't think that any other of the candidates, which we mentioned on the Republican side, uh, Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis, Tim Scott, would be able to play into because of their past policy positions and because of their financial donations. Uh, if you're just tuning in, folks, this is Roger Stone, and this is The Roger Stone Show at 77 WABC Radio. You can listen to us live streaming worldwide at WABCRadio.com. I'm interviewing Jack Posobiec, who is the senior editor of Human Events, one of the most influential conservative media outlets in the country for many, many decades. And we're breaking down the 2024 presidential race and more. Jack, I could not agree with you more. What we're seeing is a power struggle within the Democratic Party. Uh, I think Jill, Jill Biden, Dr. Jill Biden, is very central in this because she has no intention of leaving. Uh, with these poll numbers, which I think are put out purposely at this point to underline the fact that the that uh, Barack Obama is seeking to slip the banana peel under Joe's feet, uh, and now what you have is pushback. I saw the Kamala Harris comments that no you don't essentially saying no you don't have to get rid of, rid of joe because i'm here i'm ready to step in at any time joe biden let's remember does not want to at any point give up his power to pardon himself his brother his son hunter and other members of the biden crime family uh so even if at, at the end of late november when the filing deadlines come uh, for the Democratic contests for the nomination, caucuses and primaries, he were to ultimately be pressured by the Obamas and others in the party establishment to not run again. He would still remain president as long as his health held up, and we pray for that. 
uh, until January of next year. But you're absolutely right. When the New York Times, the Washington Post, the Wall Street Journal, uh, the ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN, and sooner or later MSNBC begin to point out the frailty uh, of Joe Biden, it means that Barack Obama has given the signal, in my opinion. And you're right, it will in the end come down to who has more influence, a sitting incumbent president, who I think is impaired, but at least the operators around him, uh, and Barack Obama, who many people think, at least from a policy point of view, has been the de facto president all of this time. Those who scoff at the idea of Michelle Obama, I think, are whistling through the graveyard. She would be a very, very formidable candidate. She's the, one of the most popular women in the country. If you look at any of the polling, she's viewed as non-political, so she's not viewed through a political lens. She's now published her second biography. Funny, her husband published two biographies before he ran for president. She was the keynote speaker at the last Democratic National Convention. Wow, her husband was the keynote speaker uh, when John Kerry was nominated, only to be nominated for himself uh, for the presidency at the following Democratic uh, convention. They have scheduled the convention in Chicago, her hometown. The first real meaningful Democratic delegate contest is in South Carolina, a state that has an absolute majority of African-American voters. Now, I think you're going to see a major, major power struggle. And the most striking number in that CNN poll, and I guarantee you that this question was asked, uh, was that, uh, do you believe Joe Biden uh, is uh, has uh, honest or corrupt? 63% said he was corrupt. Uh, when those people were asked, do you think what he and his son did was illegal or was it just unethical? 61% said it was illegal. Now, this despite the very best efforts by the Democrats and their fellow travelers uh, in the fake news media to distract attention from Hunter Biden's problems, from the extortion, the bribery, the racketeering, the money laundering, the illegal lobbying, the receipt of millions of dollars in wires from Russia, China, uh, Ukraine, Romania, uh, all of this under the radar. The National Archives now refusing, flatly refusing, to turn over some 5,400 emails that for some reason Joe Biden used a, a, an anonymous a, a pseudonym for, a, a, a fake email uh, present for. Uh, the whole thing is beginning to smell very bad. If if Barack Obama did not want that question in the CNN poll, it would not have been in the poll. Roger, I think the American people understand in in many senses that the bloom is off the rose when it comes to this neoliberal regime that we are living under at this point. Uh, in many ways, the there are a lot of retreads 
from the Obama administration that are now serving in the Joe Biden administration, not only on the economic side, but the foreign policy side. When you look at folks like Jake Sullivan, like folks, especially like Victoria Newland, who has essentially uh, become sort of the de facto secretary of state uh, that have pushed us deeply into this disastrous conflict, proxy war with Russia. This is something that many people have targeted as uh, saying that from Biden's perspective, he's wanted to be seen as a as a wartime president. He's wanted to be seen as almost an FDR type figure. He's referred to himself as such many times. The White House tries to continuously portray him as such. And they view his support for Ukraine and continuing support for Ukraine, even in the face of this disastrous counteroffensive, a, a war that has completely got, turned into a quagmire for them, and doubling down on American military aid that is being sent over, uh, not to mention this, this constant question of NATO forces potentially being involved directly in the conflict. Uh, it's, it's becoming more and more unpopular with the American people as it has turned into a slog. And at the same time, people are now, and, and CNN poll bears this out, People are looking at the costs of what I've called Bidenflation. They then call it Bidenomics, which is a horrific uh, branding um, strategy from the White House, because by, by putting your name and inserting the name of Joe Biden with economics, he has directly taken full responsibility for the economy. And, of course, a sitting president will have this anyway. But the economy is something is not something that the sitting president would want to take credit for. And so uh, for people living out there, we understand that inflation has gone completely haywire. Prices in this country are absolutely insane. The, ga- the banning of drilling, which was done by the Biden administration in Anwar in Alaska, at the same time that we see OPEC, uh, tightening their production because we have no leverage on the world stage anymore. Saudi Arabia, Iran, uh, these countries are all now joining the China-Russia alliance known as BRICS. This has been a, a full-on foreign policy disaster by the Biden administration, which is coupled with the economic downturn here in the United States. You know, Roger, one of the most interesting pieces that I found in in that uh CNN poll and some of the other polling that's come out was that, um, number one, of course, we can see across the board, Donald Trump is leading in poll after poll nationwide, which is not typical for Republicans. It is very hard for Republicans to win in national polling of registered voters and especially likely voters, uh, given the makeup of the nation. This is something that Trump never did in 2016, never did in 2020. Uh, he's now leading in some polls. He's, he's plus one, plus two, plus six in some polls. But also, Roger, it showed that for Americans that are over $75,000 per household, that is where Biden does best. But for every American household that's under $75,000 in terms of their income, this is where Biden is an absolute bloodbath for the sitting president. He has completely lost these people, and they vote, and they will be voting next year. Yeah, I, I really think that the that the the Democrats' hatred of Donald Trump blinds them from political reality. So they just don't see that the massive uh, immigrant, illegal immigrant uh, invasion in this country, the drug epidemic it has brought with it through fentanyl, uh, the spikes in rising crime, 
not just in big cities, but also in the suburbs, and even now in rural America. Uh, the highest gasoline prices in recent memory, uh, a 76% increase in the cost of basic groceries, crippling inflation. So even if people have money, it buys far less than it used to, particularly tough on blue-collar working families. Uh, the, the, the elites just do not see this as the toxic cocktail that it will be for a general election because they are so completely blinded uh, by their hatred of Donald Trump. You touched on the war, which I think you made an excellent point. I see this very much like Vietnam, which means the American people supported the war in Vietnam overwhelmingly until they didn't, until the cost, both in lives and in money, and the lack of any light at the end of the tunnel turned the American people sharply against the war. You already see in polling this dichotomy, among Republicans at least. Uh, I've seen it in some Democratic polling also, where they're in favor of supporting Ukraine, but they don't want to send any more money. They think $131 billion is enough. Uh, yet when Mitch McConnell got kind of back on his feet, the very first presser he had was a criticism of the Biden administration for not getting the next $24 billion to the Ukrainians fast enough. Uh, so, Jack, how do you think the war plays out uh, as the backdrop issue in this presidential campaign? Well, Roger, I think that's exactly right. And this could very well be the situation that turns uh, the Biden administration if, if and the Biden campaign of 2024 into essentially an LBJ type situation where if he understands the writing on the wall and the mood of the American people, you will understand that when the people turned against the Vietnam War, LBJ decided to uh, probably very smartly bow out of the race. Uh, this is the same situation Joe Biden finds himself in, not only because of Ukraine, but also because of many, many personal issues. And you very well, there is a strong chance that you see that happening by the end of this year, even though, as I said before, I do assess that the party really wants him to continue being the nominee. This is a uh, very unprecedented move. It has only been done a few times where a sitting president has opted to not run. Uh, obviously, there would be plenty of reasons he could give, uh, not only the personal scandals involving his son, the fact that he might actually have to testify as a character witness or a fact witness at his son's um, indictment, if it does come up where he is, goes to trial rather than uh, getting a plea deal in one of these cases, though I think we, we all agree that those, those investigations are not really going on. Uh, but then you have, as, as you say, uh, folks, Republicans as well as uh, Glitch McConnell um, coming back to their senses and saying we need to spend more money uh, in, in a general election situation where, of course, Trump is bowed out of the primary contest debates. He will certainly participate in the debates of the general going into next year. Uh, this is why, of course, Tony Blinken is, has run over and just spent two days in Kiev along with the, the prime minister of Denmark uh, speaking to 
the Ukrainians, and I believe he probably delivered them hard news, essentially explaining to them, your counteroffensive has not gone well, we've continued to fund you. Uh, he's basically going over there with a list of demands and said, if these are not followed, we will have to stop doing this because this war is becoming untenable, it is becoming unpopular. And in those debates, Roger, if Donald Trump has the opportunity to point at Joe Biden in his face and say, you sent hundreds of billions of dollars to a losing cause overseas for a fight that has no direct benefit, no special interest for the American people, while you left people and children to burn in Maui, while the people of East Palestine were completely overlooked because of the the toxic chemicals that were released in their area while our country was completely gutted economically. You did all of those things, Joe Biden, and we are in this situation because of you. That would be a moment that would be absolutely devastating to the current president. That would be a moment that the Democrats would absolutely be walking into their final annihilation on the political stage because this this movement, this cabal that has taken over the Democrat Party uh, from their, their use of the police state, their lack of soft power, their use of hard power, going after people like yourself, going after uh, Peter Navarro, was just found guilty a few days ago here this week in Washington, D.C., for refusing to testify to the Nancy Pelosi J6 committee. Uh, these, these actions by the Democrats in power have really generated a lot of populist energy, not just on the right, but also in the populist center and what I call the populist left. And if Trump is able to be on that debate stage against Joe Biden and then using the uh, the money of Ukraine, the lack of direct interest for the American people to explain how it has been done, explain how our country has been completely sold out, that will be what rallies the Rust Belt, uh, Western Pennsylvania, these areas in the swing states, absolutely to the Trump side of the ticket. That is a populist conservative message. It's not a a traditional Republican message. It's not a, a establishment Republican message, but it is a populist America first, American first message. And using the Ukraine war, it will become an absolute tar baby for Joe Biden and the Democrat Party if Trump is able to use it. All right. Unfortunately, we are out of time. Jack Posobiec, tell people where they can see your daily broadcast. Thank you, Roger. So my daily broadcast, Real America's News, it is 2 p.m. Eastern every day, Monday to Friday. I also do a podcast with Charlie Kirk called Thought Crime on Thursday nights. And of course, you can always catch us at humanevents.com. All right. Many thanks to Jack Posobiec. Thank you very much for joining us on The Roger Stone Show. This is The Roger Stone Show on 77 WABC. A man who's gone through hell, but he's kept going and he's smart and he's strong and people love him. Not everybody, but people love him and respect him. Roger Stone. Now, here's Roger Stone. This is The Roger Stone Show here on WABC Radio, 77 WABC making AM radio great again. Today, uh, my guest is one of the most respected television uh, and radio journalists in the history of the United States. 
Lou Dobbs is a New York Times bestselling author of six books, uh, was the longtime host of the number one news program on business television, Lou Dobbs Tonight, on Fox Business's network. He's also the host of the uh, nationally syndicated Lou Dobbs Financial Reports. Now he does the Great American Podcast, which can be heard on Apple. Also, uh, I believe on iHeartRadio, Lou Dobbs has won numerous Emmy awards throughout his illustrious career, including Emmys, a Cable Ace Award, a Peabody Award, uh, and many other distinguished honors. It is my great privilege and honor to welcome the great Lou Dobbs to the Roger Stone Roger. Show. Roger, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Uh, an honor to be with you. You know, this is the, the shoe is really finally on the other foot. Uh, I have interviewed with you many times back at Fox, I think even at CNN. I have really, really enjoyed our recent great American podcasts. Uh, and uh, is, there is a, a shift, of course, uh, in, in the kind of journalism you work. So there was a time when you were straight news reporter doing focusing mostly on business news but what i love about the great uh, america show that you do now is you get the unabashed views of the of lou dobbs you're you're now in the realm of being an opinion journalist uh but you have the advantage of many many decades of watching the american scene and understanding what is really going on in America? So, Lou, let's start with the 2024 election. What do you think is going on here? Well, I think a great deal on the part of the, the Marxist Dems who lead the Democrat Party, a great deal is going on. We're watching them move into action already um, across battleground states from uh, 2022 and 2020. Uh, they are prepared again and uh, have are starting to reveal their strategies. Uh, as for the Republican Party, I see nothing more than what we have seen before, which is an inert organization, poorly led, uh, with very, uh, very lackluster uh, plans for how to contend with both the Marxist Dems uh, and the issues that and threats that face America. Uh, without President Trump, there is no Republican Party, in my opinion, Roger. Uh, and what is unfolding is a, a potential disaster uh, if the Republican Party does not come together around Donald Trump's uh, candidacy, and I believe uh, as the presumptive nominee uh, for 2024. Yeah, it, the Democrats, uh, particularly the elites in the Democratic Party and their close, close friends in the mainstream uh, media, don't seem <laughs> to understand the potential toxic mix uh, of the country being flooded uh, with 8 million uh, illegal uh, immigrants, uh, bringing crime, bringing fentanyl, bringing drugs uh, uh, beyond fentanyl, uh, bringing uh, a drug epidemic, in fact, bringing spiking crime that's now not just in our cities, but in our suburbs, really across America. And that when coupled with the highest gasoline prices in recent memory, a 76% increase in the cost of basic groceries, uh, a, uh, a crippling inflation, uh, and a feeling by the people in the middle of the country that the people who they view as elitists on the left and right coasts 
could care less about them. Uh, for them, they live in their gated communities. Life is, uh, is so their, their communities are safe. Uh, I see the kind of anger rising in America among middle America that I saw in 1968, for example, that I saw in 1980, for example, two elections that produced uh, Richard Dixon, of course, uh, and uh, Ronald Reagan. Uh, so I, I really think that the elites in the Republican Party still don't understand that Donald Trump has a, a unique and innate ability to reach certain voters, voters in Michigan, voters in Wisconsin, voters in Georgia, voters in Arizona, voters in Pennsylvania, who no other Republican has been able to get. The, not Mitt Romney, not John McCain. Uh, he, he really has a, a unique dialogue with the blue-collar working middle class in America, and these people are increasingly angry increasingly angry i think you're you're exactly right i think they're angry i think they're frustrated and i think they're desperate uh this is a this is a time that the likes of which we've never seen before uh, like you i'm a product of the 60s i have went through as a journalist covering everything from the 70s forward at no time do i remember uh such obvious desperation on the part of the middle class and by the middle class i'm talking about working men and women i'm talking about their families uh, and all who aspire to the middle class uh, working people across this country are right now simply desperate this government is not only ignoring their needs and their desires and equity as uh, the left is fond of saying uh, they are absolutely targeting them and, and trying, it seems, to destroy the middle class. Uh, and interestingly, the middle class is cannot right now, I believe, focus on what is really being done to them uh, through the Democrat Party, through the deep state, uh, which is in control, of course, of our entire federal government. Roger, I say this to, to folks from time to time. Uh, you don't have any part in the federal government except as a target. And, and the reality is that the Marxist Dems, and we have to acknowledge who they are and what they're doing. They're a Marxist, and they have taken over the Democrat Party. Most of the Democrat Party, in my judgment, is now Marxist. Uh, they are certainly, at the very least, uh, in favor of vast government uh, power over uh, the American citizens. Instead of being afraid of, uh, uh, you know, our government, we should be uh, we should be certain that our government at least is respecting us, and that is gone. And for middle-class working people in this country in particular, small business people, the foundation of this country, the place where the American dream lives brightest, uh, we have watched the Democrat Party go after them, whether it's in taxation, whether it is in outrageous regulation, uh, whether it is in terms of cultural issues, whether it is uh, denying a parent's right to know what is uh, what is happening in public schools with their children. Uh, and uh, these indoctrination programs that have been adopted by both teachers unions and are instilled uh, you know, throughout uh, the curriculum from K to, to 12. Uh, and then meeting quite a different culture when you get to the colleges and universities of this country. We're, we are failing our children miserably. Uh, the Republican Party has much to atone for uh, as it begins the battle against the Democrat Party. 
but everyone has to understand the Democrat Party right now is the enemy of the American people. It's really quite remarkable because you're right, I'm a 45-year veteran uh, of American politics, and I remember a day when the Democratic Party was pro-capitalism. I remember a day when the Democratic Party supported a strong national defense. Uh, I remember a party, uh, a time when the Democratic Party was the bulk work uh, of civil liberties. I remember a time when particularly the liberal wing of the Democratic Party detested the FBI and thought that the FBI uh, violated their civil liberties through mass illegal surveillance during both the civil rights struggle uh, and the Vietnam War. What happened to the old patriotic, left of center, but patriotic Democratic Party of John F. Kennedy and Harry Truman? Well, I think amongst the things that have happened to the to get us to this point, Roger, uh, certainly was the presidency of Barack Obama uh, when he uh, brought a an administration uh, that was anti uh, anti journalist, uh, anti free speech. Uh, no one has prosecuted more journalists in this country in our history than did the Obama administration. The Biden administration, which is, I view, as the third term of the uh, Obama administration, uh, is uh, not quite to that level. It just simply has turned the spigots off and does not put the president of the United States before cameras or microphones. And if so, then only for a matter of uh, brief moments uh, and uh, absolutely no substance of any kind. Uh, and the, and the, uh, the, the national so-called legacy corporate media just stands there and uh, in obedient silence, without protest, uh, without objection, and certainly without following up on the story, perhaps with one question. Why in hell aren't you talking to us about the issues that matter most to the American people? Uh, and it, when they will be directed to various executive agencies, of course, by the press secretary. But the answer will still be uh, stunning silence. Uh, I think what I am seeing in the Democratic Party, uh, and I think you'd have to be a pretty careful observer to see this, is the beginnings of an internecine war within the Democratic Party. Uh, the CNN poll released a couple of days ago, uh, which shows that Donald Trump would yet again uh, beat Joe Biden. Uh, the the fact that that 63% of the people think that Joe Biden is corrupt uh, and of those, 61% said what he did was illegal, not just unethical. These are shots across the bow, I think arranged by the Obamas, because they have serious reservations about Joe Biden's ability to limp through another presidential campaign. The idea of a Biden-Trump debate uh, is unthinkable at this juncture. Uh, Trump is in He's lost 30 pounds. He is at the top of his game. I mean, I traveled with him for four days, three weeks ago, uh, and I, the guy's zeal, his zest for combat, uh, his resolve, his determination. Uh, by the way, Lou, he listened to uh, the Great America Show podcast you and I did, and he loved it, loved it. Uh, I will send you, his, I'll send you his text message. He loved it. Uh, he's at the top of his form for, he, he is, he is only 77.
in, in physical age, but he appears not to have aged at all. He is sharper and more combative and more ready for what he keeps calling the final battle than I have ever seen him previously. Uh, and clearly there is growing feeling among the Democratic Party sachems that Joe Biden can't make it. Uh, and Kamala Harris fits into this mosaic when she comes out and says, well, don't worry about Joe, meaning let Joe run, because I'm ready to step in at any moment uh, if anything should go wrong. In other words, a signal to Barack Obama and his, I think, potential candidate wife, Michelle, don't you dare try to pull the rugs on an incumbent president. Also notice a spate of anti-Obama stories now suddenly starting to leak. Uh, one of his biographers uh, reporting publicly that the, that the former president says that he has lust in his heart for men, to steal a phrase from Jimmy Carter. Uh, the Tucker Carlson interview where Larry Sinclair comes forward claiming that he did drugs and had sex with Barack Obama. So I think you have to read their access to the media is is extraordinary. Uh, and I think this is being played out in a proxy war uh, in the media as the Democrats begin to really fear the possibility of Joe Biden. Uh, as their standard bearer. I, I, again, I think you're correct. I, I do believe that we have to square up a few things, though, in, in, in uh, regard to Obama uh, and the Biden administration. There is no doubt in my mind uh, whatsoever that a, a cabal, for want of a better word, of Marxist Dems have been working for a very long time uh, and put Obama where he was in 2008. Uh, and where he stands now as uh, the, if you will, the master of the puppet president, Biden. Uh, he, the audacity, uh, the indifference, the ignorance of the Democratic Party to allow both Kamala Harris, an absolutely inept uh, politician, as well as, it seems, a person incapable of coherent uh, thoughts or expression, and an impaired, compromised president, candidate at the time, that is Joe Biden, to put them together into the most powerful offices in the country uh, is an act of such uh, a grievous uh, assault on the republic that I don't think any voter in the country should ever again vote for a Democrat. Uh, this is a this could be a death blow to the republic, what they have done, because if the impeachments go ahead against Biden, and frankly, I hope that they do, because I think with this level of corruption, there is no other responsible alternative. We can talk political strategies and until uh, uh, you know till dusk, but the reality is uh, decency and uh, regard for law and order uh, in in this great republic demands that we begin an impeachment of Joe Biden. The evidence is clear, uh, and this is, as I say, no time for politics on that issue. But with the Marxist ends who control not only the White House, uh, the, the, the Senate, uh, and I think uh, casually at least the, the speakership, uh, uh, at least on intermittent uh, accounts, 
Uh, we are in real trouble because the Marxist stems in the deep state are in absolute control of the entire federal government. I, I would doubt, Roger, that you could name even a single agency in which you would, with which you would agree, uh, disagree on that issue. No, I think you're right. The sad part is they remained in control of many of those same departments and agencies, the permanent bureaucracy in place. These people are not non-ideological bureaucrats, by the way. They remained in control of these agencies even while Donald Trump was president. Uh, I, I said on your show that I thought that a Trump who returned to the White House now would be uh, a very different president. That is not to say that in his first term, uh, he wasn't, uh, uh, he did not run up a record that already makes him one of the greatest presidents in American history. Uh, the most robust economy in our history. Uh, record job growth, record wage growth, the lowest levels of unemployment among all Americans, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, young, old, rural, urban. Uh, tax policies that brought billions of dollars back in the United States to be invested here, to, to, to create jobs here. So, uh, but I do think that he has now had a, a full, uh, eyes wide open education, uh, about the, the permanent government in place. You can call them the deep state. You can call them as Dwight Eisenhower did, the military industrial complex. You can call them the cabal. You can call them anything you want. There is a monolithic coalition between the leaders of the Democrat and the leaders of the Republican Party, uh, and the mainstream media to stick to one narrative, one idea. And the idea, just the idea of Donald Trump now awakened and understanding the epic corruption of the Justice Department, the Central Intelligence Agency, uh, the FBI, uh, this keeps them up at night. This is what drives uh, the most chronic cases of Trump derangement syndrome. Uh, Lou, you have many, many years as a business and economic reporter. Uh, and Joe Biden continues to tout Bidenomics. What will be the impact of the economy in this next election? And where do you see the economy going? Well, right now, Roger, I think that there's a great overstatement about how much trouble the economy is in, because th there has been so much uh, full tilt, uh, full throttle federal spending uh, as a result of the largesse of the Biden regime with taxpayer money that uh, we're going to have stimulus that won't run out, uh, I, I think, in, a, in any near-term horizon. What we have is inflation that continues to eat prices right now are 13 percent above where they were a year ago. Uh, in, in terms of gasoline prices, in terms of housing prices, uh, which is really the foundation of any uh, modern economy, uh, a great, great storm clouds are forming, and we have a Federal Reserve that's unpredictable, uh, and it's not predictive either. It hasn't a great uh, case record on knowing what to do in terms of policy because they continue under Jerome Powell to try to lead the markets rather than follow them. It's a fool's errand, and I, but just when I thought he was learning his lesson, he appears to have uh, acquired his uh, his former uh, rigidity uh, in, in terms of his uh, monetary policy uh, values. Uh, he's talking about another interest rate hike. 
Uh, if he does this, uh, there will be serious troubles in real estate. And by that, I mean we could go back to uh, if he were to raise it another 100 basis points uh, over the next uh, few months, we would have, without question, a real estate crisis. We would have a construction crisis. Uh, and we would have, uh, and on top of that, of course, where as we watch oil prices rising, uh, we could have a, even a further surge in inflation. So while everything right now, I, I think, is uh, in some form of uh, equilibrium, uh, the, pos- the prospect of real trouble ahead, uh, depending on those policy moves, whether it be in fiscal policy or monetary policy, and with September 30th rushing at us, uh, they're going to have to be big decisions. Are we going to continue with uh, uh, yeah, omnibus bills and uh, continuing resolutions and uh, pure, the pure fog of Washington politics in the swamp? Uh, if so, uh, we could be in real trouble in 2024, and that would mean uh, even more trouble for the Democratic Party. I have to tell you, it's a definition of mixed emotions for me. Uh, I want this president and this party out of American politics forever. I want to see a purge of all of the deep state bureaucrats who believe as they, as globalist uh, elite globalists uh, that uh, they know better than the American people and don't require the consent of the government. You know, I there's a special place in hell reserved for all of them. Uh, folks, if you're just tuning in, this is the Roger Stone Show on 77 WABC Radio, and I'm interviewing one of uh, the greatest broadcast journalists in American history, the great Lou Dobbs. It's my honor to have him join us today. Lou, what do you make uh, of the candidacy of Robert F. Kennedy Jr., scion of the Kennedy family dynasty, the son of New York U.S. Senator and former Attorney General Robert Kennedy, who was uh, who was murdered uh, on the evening of his greatest political triumph of victory in the 1968 Democratic primary for president. Uh, also, the nephew of John F. Kennedy, uh, brutally shot down in the streets of Dallas on November 22nd, 1963. What is the what is the impact? Uh, of the Kennedy candidacy? Well, I I think it's much too early for us to judge because it's going to depend on what he does. He doesn't have uh, an organization. He doesn't have a campaign as such uh, uh, staffed up and uh, strategists directing and messaging, uh, giving him uh, the the appropriate help that any candidate requires uh, to be successful. in terms of the man, uh, I happen to have great respect for him because he was a dissenter uh, against Big Pharma, uh, the the vaxxers, and, of course, the public health uh, bureaucracy that uh, really doesn't give much of a damn, apparently, about the health of the American people. They have uh, rules. They want mandates. They're, for crying out loud, uh, Fauci, who remains their, their spokesperson, talking about bringing back masks. Uh, to his credit, uh, RFK Jr. has has been uh, vocal, and he's been right, and he's a much-needed voice. I think he would scare the heck out of the the Marxist Dems because he would take out a significant, I think, a significant portion of votes. I don't know what the number would be, uh, but I think that the race in 2024 could be decided by a third-party candidate in either party. So that is a a, a potential... uh, if you will, hurdle that I think both parties have to contemplate. And as far as RFK is concerned, uh, I'm a fan, 
I'm not uh, in any way uh, putting him on the level I would of uh, uh, any other presidential, well, a lot of other presidential candidates, but I certainly wouldn't put him on the level of a serious contender uh, for the uh, nomination of the Democratic Party. Yeah, I think this could uh, play out uh, in a slightly different way. One of the problems is that the filing deadlines and the difficulty of getting on the ballot as an independent candidate, it's hard enough to get on the ballot as a minor party candidate. Remember, the rules for getting on the ballot for candidates are written by Republicans and Democrats working together who try to make it as difficult, expensive, technical, and onerous as humanly possible. So really, Robert F. Kennedy has two choices. He can uh, contend for the nomination of the party of his uncle and his father, uh, a, a party in which the Kennedy name still reminds many of Camelot, uh, or he could run as an independent, which he understands while he could impact the final race, is not going to get him to the White House. Now, he's the only Democrat who is talking uh, about sealing our southern border, who understands the urgency of sealing our southern border. He's the only Democrat who doesn't want to hand over $2 billion to the, to the, the lunatic Iranian regime so they can resume their nuclear weapons development. He is the only Democrat uh, who is questioning the billions of dollars that we are shipping to Ukraine and who correctly states uh, that our support for the Ukrainians in this war is a violation of the Minsk Accords where when the Russians allowed the reunification of East and West Germany, in return they sought and got from us, specifically by Secretary of State James Baker, a commitment that we would not try to push Ukraine on their border into NATO. So we're in violation of our agreements. Uh, I, I think Robert Kennedy has articulated the real history here better than anyone else. Uh, in that Fox television debate, Vivek Ramaswamy, who's a very good talker, very good talker, uh, I think in his exchange with Nikki Haley on this very same issue, he came out second best because he did not state the history uh, of of what has happened in Ukraine and whether and why we are actually there. The silos for thermonuclear missiles have already been built on the ground uh, in Ukraine. Uh, what this war is really over is whether we are going to, as NATO partners, load them up with intercontinental ballistic missiles that are aimed at Russia. Now, people will hear this and say, oh, Stone is a Russia, uh, he's a Russian intelligence spy, he's soft on Putin. No, I, I'm, Putin is a brutal authoritarian dictator, uh, hardly soft on him. But the same people keep telling us, oh, Ukraine is a democracy. Ukraine is not a democracy. President Zelensky has locked up everybody who ran against him in the last election, has outlawed every party but his own, uh, shut down TV stations, radio stations, newspapers, arrests journalists, arrests dissidents, shut down the Russian Orthodox Church, which just happens to be the largest church in his country. So th this has nothing whatsoever to do with democracy. Uh, and I think Robert Kennedy makes that case far better than anybody else on the stage right now. Uh, it occurs to me that 
at the end of the democratic process, Lou, there's going to be many, many disaffected and angry Democrats and independents who liked the candidacy of Robert Kennedy, who realized that he is going to be kneecapped by the same people who right now are trying to figure out how to get Joe Biden out of this race. Uh, and uh, Donald Trump could scoop up those votes with a simple pledge uh, that if he was elected, he would appoint Robert F. Kennedy Jr. as Attorney General of the United States. Uh, and as his first assignment, conduct an investigation of what actually happened in the last pandemic, uh, and then begin the effort to clean up the CIA, the FBI, and other agencies of the federal government. What do you think? I, I think there there is one voice uh, that stands well above his, and that's Donald Trump, because he's laid down uh, the the premise that I think should be the basis for all policies, uh, domestic and uh, and foreign, uh, on the part of the U.S. government. America first, and, and as often happens in uh, Washington politics, uh, there are always questions that uh, should be, as a in my judgment, uh, a a precedent condition. Uh, for any strategy that we form. Uh, and the condition preceding in this case, I think, is the question, who is Europe? Who are they? What are their interests? And what are they doing? Uh, and why is it, uh, is it that we would drive Ukrainian policy from Washington, D.C.? Uh, the reality is that we've now moved a, a, what I estimate to be somewhere between uh, a fifth and a quarter of our combat-ready troops into the eastern flank of Europe. Uh, for what purpose, to what end, uh, and if it is to be a buffer zone for NATO, I think it's even more mindless uh, uh, than uh, most policies that I consider abhorrent. Uh, this is a, a monstrous decision on the part of the Biden administration, and the question that the American people are not having answered for them uh, by our national news organizations or either political party is where is the Ukrainian uh, money uh, coming from? Is it all coming from the United States? No, but about 95 percent of it's coming from the United uh, States. And why isn't uh, the European Union uh, sending billions of dollars? And why are they not moving NATO forces into position? Because they can't, uh, because they are not uh, in any way a deterrent force. They're not sufficiently trained or equipped. And for that to be the American policy, that we will uh, stand up for Ukraine uh, while the continent itself is not taking responsibility and expressing its interest through policies, particularly against the invading Russians, is completely inexplicable to me. What do you think, Roger? Uh, Lou, I tend to agree with you. Unfortunately, we are out of time, but I want to thank you very much uh, for joining us here on The Roger Stone Show. Lou, tell people where they can get The Great America Show. Well, thank you, Roger. I really enjoyed our conversation, as always, and I thank you so much. The, Ameri the Great America Show is available on all podcast platforms, I'm pleased to say, uh, and uh, I recommend it to you highly, ladies and gentlemen, as you might guess. Thanks, Roger, so much. Uh, Lou Dobbs, one of the greatest broadcast journalists in American history. We are honored to have had you on The Roger Stone Show. My honor. Thanks so much, Roger. This is The Roger Stone Show on 77 WABC. A man who's gone through hell 
but he's kept going and he's smart and he's strong and people love him. Not everybody, but people love him and respect him. Roger Stone. Now, here's Roger Stone. Back on the Roger Stone Show here at 77 WABC Radio. I want to remind you that you can listen to us at 770 AM on your AM dial if you live in the New York, New Jersey, Connecticut area where I grew up. Or you can listen to us at WABCRadio.com where we are streaming worldwide. Now it is my privilege uh, to be joined by one of the true rising stars in the American, uh, the America First movement, as well as uh, the Republican Party, Uh, Carrie Lake, a veteran broadcaster who then decided that she was going to leave journalism to try to help save her state and country, joins me now on The Roger Stone Show. Carrie Lake, welcome. It's so good to be back, Roger. Thanks for having me this morning. Uh, I have said this uh, before, and you have uh, been uh, generous enough to come on uh, my uh, daily uh, broadcast at StoneZone.Live, which is on every day at 5 o'clock, that that in my view, uh, I've been in this business 45 years. I'm a veteran of 13 Republican presidential campaigns. I cut my teeth with Richard Nixon. I was privileged to work on three campaigns for uh, Governor, then President Ronald Reagan. Uh, I was a staff assistant uh, in the U.S. Senate to Senator Bob Dole, one of the greatest men of the 20th century, uh, in my opinion. Uh, and, uh, of course, uh, a uh, 45-year friend uh, and advisor to perhaps our greatest president, Donald J. Trump. I have never seen or never met uh, a more charismatic, more effective communicator than Carrie Lake. Wow. Well, the pressure's on then. I better not stumble my way through this interview. Uh, You've worked for some of the greats, uh, and I agree with you. President Trump, you said, may be our greatest, finest president. I I believe he will go down in history as the greatest president in the United States history and, and really, truly one of the greatest leaders in human history. I think he's that consequential, and I think we're at that consequential of a moment in not just American history, but in uh, world history as well. And that's why I'm doing everything I can to uh, just remind people that what's happened to him and the reason that he's, um, I guess, polarizing is he's actually not a polarizing figure. The media has created this hatred toward him. And, you know, working 30 years in the media, I feel it's my responsibility to let people know you have been bamboozled by the media. You've been victim of a smear campaign, the greatest, uh, most effective smear campaign we've ever seen on a single individual, I think, in our in our country's history. So I'm trying to get the truth out about President Trump. You know him, Roger, as do I. He's an incredible man. He doesn't need any of this, but he wants so desperately to save our country and that he's willing to stay in the fight. Uh, that encourages me to stay in the fight. And um, that's just what I'm doing right now. Uh, folks, uh, Carrie Lake is the daughter of a teacher and a nurse. She grew up in Iowa, the site of the all-important first presidential Republican caucuses. Uh, she had eight siblings, and believe me, she learned the value of hard work. 
fascinated by people's stories. She decided to pursue a career in the news industry where she would become a symbol of truth in journalism, something we don't see much anymore, but ultimately rejected the agenda-driven press and walked away from mainstream media after 27 extraordinarily successful years. Now, Carrie Lake ran for governor. She ran one of the most uh, intense, exciting, upbeat uh, campaigns that I have ever seen. Uh, yet at the end of the day, I feel, as do many of her supporters, uh, that victory was stolen from her. It is indisputable that a voter tabulation machine that takes a 19-inch long piece of paper uh, but is but is specifically and purposely sent a 20-inch piece of uh, a, a ballot that the machine will reject and that that takes place just coincidentally in the 60 in 65% of the most republican precincts in Maricopa County uh, and this is just the the tip of the iceberg in terms of the level of shenanigans uh in the Arizona election uh you did have some judicial victories this week Carrie tell us about that cuz Many people, including me, are still sore that you are not in your rightful place uh, in the Arizona governor's mansion. Well, it, it's uh, maybe I should be flattered that they had to throw literally everything, including the kitchen sink, at me to stop our movement. And But the funny thing is the movement has just grown, grown stronger. And they thought after they sabotaged Election Day and, and stole our victory right in front of our eyes, everybody saw it, that we would just go away, walk away and try again next time. But there is no next time if we don't restore faith in our election. So I have uh, decided that I will put everything I have into restoring elections and reforming elections so that every vote, whether you're the most liberal Democrat or the most conservative Republican or somewhere in between, every legal vote counts. And you can go to bed on election night knowing that the results are honest and you can live with those results. But right now we don't have that. We did have a victory this week. You know, we've been uh, talking about mail-in ballots and what a uh, cheating mechanism that is for Frankly, the deep state, that's who's behind this, is not just Democrats who are behind it. There's some pretty dirty Republicans as well. And they throw out millions of mail-in ballots. They have no chain of custody. 300,000 had no chain of custody in our election. Those are invalid ballots, should never be counted. But we knew that the election signatures were not matched. We saw how in one of our cases we proved that they were matching signatures with just sitting there and hitting a button going match, match, match approved, 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 without even comparing signatures. The victory this week came when um, the uh, Secretary of State and the county recorders are now ordered to actually match the signature on those mail-in ballots with the original signature that you applied for your voter registration with. Right now, they're matching them to a bunch of different, if they're matching them at all, scribbles that aren't even your signature. And so it is a victory, and we're having little victories here and there. I've got a court case um, coming up. We pushed one of our cases trying to get rid of these machines. It's moving into the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. And I have another um, couple of dates uh, for trial later this month to get our hands on, as a public record request, the actual envelopes that people mail back their ballot in. Because we want to prove and show people these signatures don't match or in many cases, there is no signature at all 
on that affidavit envelope. And we're just going to, in a court of, in a court of public opinion, show that our elections are theater and filled with fraud. Because the people demand or should know how bad the elections are. We may not be able to, um, you know, make a judge do the right thing. But when the people wake up, they're going to demand honest elections. And I think we're getting real close to that point happening. Uh, Politics is always about the future, not about the past. Many, many people here on Rumble asking me, um, is Carrie Lake going to run for the U.S. Senate? Oh, boy, <laughs> you just threw that right out there, huh? Um, I'm thinking about it, Roger, but I, I want people to know I'm not that if I do that, it doesn't mean I'm walking away from these cases. These cases are too important. And by trying to reform elections and working to reform elections, because we've seen in 2020, also in 2022, and frankly, in, in elections prior to those elections, a lot of fraud, that doesn't mean we have our you know, we're living in the past. We are trying to protect the future. And without honest elections, we can't get great candidates in. We can't get great policies. You can't tell me that the people of America voted for a guy who sat in his basement, who on day one opened up our borders, uh, caused strife in the world after having, you know, four years of peace under President Trump and, and tanked our economy. People didn't vote for that. But if we don't get our elections squared away, then we'll never be able to get the people we want in office to uh, bring about solutions to these problems we have. So I am considering that we have an opportunity to pick up a Senate seat, that right now we have a hardcore leftist sitting in office. She's trying to claim that she's now an independent because she knows that she can't win in the Democrat primary. And she votes with, uh, with uh, what's his name? Turnip head. <laughs> Chuck Schumer. No, Chuck Schumer. I was actually talking about Biden. Oh, yes. Call Chuck Schumer turnip head as well. <clears throat> she votes with Biden 93% of the time. And there's another guy running who is incredibly far left to the point of, of socialist to Democrat. And he votes with uh, Biden almost 100% of the time. So that's not representative of the people of Arizona. The people of Arizona want somebody who's going to go back to D.C. and fight for them. And, and fight to bring about common sense policies. And frankly, when we get President Trump back in there, we need to have a senator who's going to have his back and help make sure that his Agenda 47 is implemented. So I'm giving it serious thought. I'm leaning toward doing it, and I'll be making a decision here in the next month or so. Well, look, you're, you're very shrewd. I have huge respect for your political instincts, even though you are new to the political game. As I said, I, I think you... You ran a terrific campaign uh, with uh, with very strong messaging for secure borders, energy independence, safe streets and communities, education rather than indoctrination in our schools, pushing back against the radical left agenda. Uh, you talked about preserving Western heritage that makes Arizona a special state. You clearly understand that there's no point in running for the Senate if we cannot have free, fair honest, transparent election. So I was not in any way suggesting that you are walking away from that fight. And you will have to make a decision about uh, from what position are you best positioned to to fight uh, what I think is what Donald Trump calls the final battle. Uh, I read, I guess, two days ago that on Arizona's border with Mexico, they have welded open 
118 doors, allegedly so some rare species of antelope can come and go, when in fact we have taken in 8 million new illegal immigrants into this country, uh, which explains the spike in violent crime across the country. Uh, cities like New York City on the on the verge of complete destruction uh, as the the uh, the federal government moves these illegal immigrants uh, into luxury hotels, gives them a preloaded credit card, uh, gives them a cell phone, uh, gives them transportation. Uh, it, it, the whole thing boggles the mind. What is the what is the immigration situation right there uh, in Arizona? Oh, it's absolutely horrible. I mean, our, our state has been taken over. And again, you know, fraudulent, corrupt elections have consequences, deadly consequences. You're right. Those gates have been welded in the open position. The Democrats always seem to care about every species of animal except for the homo sapien, especially ones who are um, citizens of the United States. They don't care about American citizens. And literally tens of thousands of people are pouring across our southern border every day. Um, you know, more than the, the, the more have come across than the entire population of Arizona under Joe Biden, and probably even more than whatever the official numbers are. I'm, I'm imagining that they're, um, they're actually very low, the ones that the Biden administration is putting out. You know, these are jobs that are being given to people that are, that are being taken from Americans. These are uh, kids who are going to be in our schools now. We're paying for that education, and it's going to, to the detriment of our own children. These are uh, social services that are not available to Americans now because they are going to people here illegally. And most frighteningly, I read uh, a statistic the other day. In the past eight, nine months, 18,000 fighting age men from communist China have come across our border illegally. When you see the people coming across, these are not families coming across. These are all, almost all fighting age men. And they don't, they don't care about American history. They don't understand our history. They don't understand our values. And we are going to see, and we are seeing, the complete decimation of America. When you flood it with this many people, an invasion and an infiltration, you lose your, your country's identity. You destabilize your, uh, your communities. And that's exactly what's happening. And people have been afraid to speak out. But I think that with what's happening in New York City and other cities around the country, we are even seeing Democrats now speak out and say, wait a minute, this is not safe. This is not the right thing to do. And I, I think I even saw the mayor of New York speaking out and saying he disagrees with uh, the border being wide open. So we're, we're seeing a shift in how people perceive this. And the real bottom line is people are saying Trump was right. He was right to want to have that border secure. I worked in Arizona as a journalist for 27 years in Arizona, <clears throat> and I'd never seen that border more secure than under President Trump. And on day one, Joe Biden pulled all of that back, and he is systematically destroying America. You know, I was just down on the border <clears throat> about a week ago. I was talking to a man. He said he worked at a funeral home. Said the cartels, he, was, he said this in a hushed tone because he's afraid to speak out. He said the cartel crime on this side of the border is so bad and everybody sees it and everyone's afraid to say anything. He said he was working at a funeral home and a young man had, they were preparing for his funeral, uh, preparing the body for the funeral. And he said his wrists had both been 
cut with a circular saw just deep enough for him to slowly bleed out. It was a cartel crime. That's how they. That's how they. Uh, you know, get their revenge and enact. When you, if you cross the cartels, they don't kill you pleasantly. They kill you in the most unpleasant way. And he said he's seeing things like this all the time. Doesn't make the news, but this is the kind of crime that's happening in our cities and and states all over this country because the cartels have more power and control than we the people do. All right. Unfortunately, we are out of time because I could talk to you all day. Uh, Very honored to have Carrie Lake, a true voice for the silent majority, someone fighting back against the relentless assault on all our freedoms, uh, and a woman who I predict her greatest public service lies yet ahead. Thank you very much, Carrie, for joining us on The Roger Stone Show. Thank you, Roger, and thank you for your lifetime of work in um, the American political system to truly get some of the greats elected and support them and stand up for them. I really appreciate you. Thank you. God bless you. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly two million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50 percent of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.